This episode of The Squanch is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices. For $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash squanch and use the promo code squanch. That's awaytravel.com slash squanch, promo code squanch. Hey everybody, welcome to the Squanch Wisecracks Rick and Morty podcast. My name is Jared and I'm joined here with the Squanchers. We got Ryan. Wubba lubba sup, Squanchers. And Alec. Hey. All right, so today we are actually, this is the maiden voyage into season two. This is, we're breaking down season two, episode one, a rickle in time. But before we do that, let us reflect on a very important piece of Rick and Morty news that recently came out. Oh, Gen- yeah. Yes, gentlemen, are you aware that the show just got picked up for 70 more episodes? <laughs> 70 more episodes of the Squanch then. 70 Dude. more years of Rick and Morty. Yes. Seven, yeah, like 10 Hell more yeah. years of Rick and Morty. So <laughs> tell me about what you guys think about that. How did you respond when you first heard? I still don't know how to take it because part of me feels like it's clearly a joke, right? Because no, I don't think you're like, like no one gets picked up for 10 years of a movie. I think, I think they're like literally commenting on the video. Right. And, uh, uh, Ron, like, like when Rick says, uh, a million years of Rick and Morty. So, uh, uh, basically when I heard it, I was like, this has to be a freaking joke. And now, but then I'm like, wait, there's contracts involved. So clearly it's not maybe can they get out at any time? I don't know. I'm obviously elated to be uh there's, overall there's I, I think there's no, there's there's no way this is a joke and this is why it's taken so long because dan and justin are now very very rich and, and how do you um, know this is not a joke 70 episodes is crazy talk yeah, yeah. well it was the, it was the number one comedy in both cable and not cable that's no small potatoes i think it's impo- right. i think it's impossible it's impossible to know if it's a joke until we're told it's a joke but I mean, I was reading a Dan Harmon interview where like his logic, sorry, his logic is very non-jokey where he's like, listen, when you don't know if a show is getting renewed, you're working on other things. You have sort of backup plans and other projects going on. Now it's like, okay, Rick and Morty's my job. I can show up from, you know, nine to five every day or, or probably later and work on Rick and Morty and think about Rick and Morty. And it's like, I, I, I think- don't buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, you don't buy you what? Could, you could do that with two seasons. If he said, yeah, we got picked up for about two or three more seasons. Great. You know, uh, I, I really feel like I can take my time. But to, but for them to say, yeah, you're picked up for 10 years. I mean, it's whatever. not 10. It would be. It is, it, is nothing, it is nothing to do with the amount of years and it has everything to do with uh, syndication rights. When you get a certain amount of episodes made for a show, then it makes it viable for syndication. And that's when you start making the Seinfeld money. And and that's basically, okay. basically, that means that, you know, Rick and Morty can go on ABC, it can go international, it can be, it can go whatever. And like those um, residual checks will just keep funneling and funneling and funneling to Dan and Justin. And probably, I mean, this is all speculation on my part, but I, I tend to look at these things from the business perspective because... I live in LA. When you live in LA and you're in entertainment, you see it for what it really is, which is 100% business. In fact, on our movie podcast, we had Greg on there saying, talking about the same thing. It's all about dollars. And Dan Harmon, you do. You're not. You're not. You're not here right now. But Dan Harmon has been in this game. He gets it. He knows that. He knows that he's got a hit on his hands. These things only come once in a lifetime, and he is going to take the studio for every dime that they're worth, and he did it. And well, him and uh, Justin. The, the syndication rights is the best evidence that I've heard. Yeah, that you're right, that it's not a joke. But um, I still think 
it's crazy and uh, good for them. I, I hope they milked them for more than they're worth. <laughs> I, I also think he probably has like weird abandonment issues after, you know, getting kicked off his own show. So maybe like, maybe he can plan things out more. You know, when you're That's getting true. renewed season to season, you're not like, Oh, I'm going to make this big five episode or sorry, five season arc, because what if you're canceled in a season? That's just not something that happens. But if you know, 70 more uh, episodes, I think you have a little more security there. Yeah. It's, it's weird. What do you guys think about now with knowing that there's going to be a decade more of Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty is going not to be decade. just, as, it could be like five or six years. All right, whatever. I don't know. I don't, I mean, with Dan Harmon part of it, I don't think they're going to be moving that much faster. I mean, 70 <laughs> episodes is a shit ton. Right. Anyway, yeah. um, it's going to be as much part of the cultural canon as the Simpsons, as family guy, as Bob's burgers. How do you guys feel about that? Because uh, I think a lot of what what made this show so special is that it had this rebellious streak to it. <laughs> I mean, now it's like literally it's going to be, you know, the it's going to just be part of that the most corporate business model that cartoons Not, can be part of. Do you think I that, mean, I mean, look, look like, you know, it's like Harvey Dent says in the dark night, you either die a hero, you see yourself long enough to become the villain. Like, do all shows eventually suck? Yeah. Do I think that Rick and Morty is going to eventually suck? Not necessarily, but I hope um, that the fuck team. No, we <laughs> have another. Te- Sorry. I just hope that the team is up for the challenge that even a show as edgy as Rick and Morty is going to have to adapt. We have another podcast, Respect Our Thorita, South Park. They're in their, what, their 21st season, and we still love it just as much. And we, in fact, we think that season 19 or 18 was, like, the best ever. Like, I think that, uh, I, and I think that these guys are just as, like, you know, unique and uh, uh, just, I don't know, they, I don't, they can do it. I, I don't think anybody gives less of a fuck than Matt and Trey. I mean, those guys literally <laughs> don't care if they alienate everyone in this town. They don't give a shit. I know, and that makes the show. Good. But I, 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 I don't, I don't know if Dan and Justin are quite that epic. I think I also think South Park uh, has something about it that lets it live longer, which is that, especially when it was uh, more episodic, it was very current events, very sort of politically driven. So whatever's going on, like in the news cycle, they can talk about. Whereas like Rick and Morty is a little bit different. It's got the few sort of like play uh, like themes it talks about so granted it could you know evolve with new themes and new ideas and stuff like that but it's much harder i think to maintain the dna of this show when uh by by doing that stuff versus like south park south park has always been about making fun of you know whoever's president whoever's you know running for office whatever's on the news and all that stuff oh that that is so not true i i mean the first couple seasons of south park were just pure dick and fart jokes that had nothing Mm. to do with anything remotely contemporarily relevant. I mean, they would still make fun of like living celebrities and stuff like that. But if anything, I think once we've talked about how the landscape of Rick and Morty, because of the infinite universe thing, they can literally do anything. Right. Yeah. Um, They can literally, you know, they they could like, you know, by four seasons from now, they might decide, Oh, you know, now we're going to make a show in which every episode, uh, Rick travels to a new dimension in which earth is run by a different political figure. I mean, that's within the logic of the show for them to actually do that. So I think that it's more than possible that in the future, Rick and Morty is going to look really different than it does now. Yeah, of course yeah. it's possible. I yearn for more Rick and Morty, whereas other shows I'm like, I have more of a guarded, like, man, I don't want them to ruin it kind of thing. Mm. Whereas for this, it's like very rare that I feel like it's a miss episode. And I'm, and I think, yeah, they're brilliant minds. And like Jared said, they can fucking do anything and it's awesome. However, I can see that it gets a little old, you know, just, like the just 
edge, uh, I don't know, existential uh, nature of the show. I can see that kind of, it, it doesn't have the universal, like, consistent appeal that South Park does, like you said, because there's always new stuff. It's like the Weird Al of TV shows. Like, whenever sure. it's popular, they can just, all right, we'll rip on what's in the news this week, you know, whereas Rick and Morty does kind of have, it's about reality itself, you know. Right, and that's what I mean. Like, South Park, it evolved. It, ha it still does evolve, and sometimes they fuck up. Like, you know, so the last yeah. two seasons have not been very good. But I just hope that Rick and Morty evolves in a way that The Simpsons never evolved, that Family Guy never evolved, and uh, I just hope they give themselves that liberty because you're right. Even in season three, we started getting emails from people saying, like, you know, this whole existential thing, life is meaningless, you know, constantly undercutting any attempt at meaning is not going to stay fresh forever. I think we're around the corner from it getting old, so uh, let's hope they're up for the challenge is really all I have right. to say. But, but of course I'm fucking excited. 70 new episodes. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christmas came early. Christmas came early. All right. So let's go into a recap of season two, episode one, a Rickle in time. So after six months of being suspended in frozen time to fix up the house, Rick decides it's time to unfreeze time. But once that happens, it's going to take a while for his Morty and Summer's time to stabilize. They can't touch each other or anything else, lest they risk being shattered into a thousand theoretical shards. A spat between siblings escalates and Summer shoves Morty, thus fracturing time and splitting reality into two out-of-sync impossibilities. Meanwhile, Jerry accidentally hits a deer and Beth brings it to a hospital in order to revive it and to prove to herself that she is a competent enough surgeon to do so. The two time-split Ricks try to resync their realities, but Morty and Summer's uncertainty thwarts his efforts, making Rick uncertain, thereby turning Rick against the other versions of himself, which ultimately splits time into four realities. A deer hunter drops by the hospital with his lawyer to claim the legal right to his deer, which he previously shot, but Beth waves him off and starts operating. Eventually, a testicle-faced time cop comes to the rescue and sinks Morty, Summer, and Rick's realities with some lame necklaces. The cop then accuses Rick of time crimes, but Rick rips off his collar without a plan, splitting time into 64 realities. Jerry eventually gets wildlife experts to helicopter the deer to a specialist, but it stings all the worse when Beth learns that she has to admit that she couldn't save the life herself. But turns out, the wildlife experts are all part of the plan. Jerry drives Beth to a makeshift operating table in the wilderness, where she finishes her work and saves the deer. When one of the Mortys in the 64 timelines can't put his faulty collar back on to resync time, Rick sacrifices his own collar to bring Morty back to certainty. Just when Rick thinks all is over, he sees Morty's lost collar, puts it on, and returns to the singular paradoxless reality. Beth and Jerry return and make fun of their necklaces, while in the post-credits, our testicle-faced time cops bully Albert Einstein. End of episode. All right, guys, before we move on, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor over at Adult Swim. So... What better way to celebrate the fact that Rick and Morty has been renewed for 70 new episodes than to kick back and watch Rick and Morty Season 3 on Blu-ray and DVD? So, not only will you get to relive some of what we at the Squanch believe are some of the best episodes of Rick and Morty, but you'll also get exclusive special features like animatics, behind-the-scenes look at what's it like to make Rick and Morty, plus commentaries with Dan and Justin, the creators, cast, and special guests. And because you're fans of the Squanch, you have a chance to win your very own handmade limited edition Pickle Rick figurine. So there are two ways you can win. First, you can enter a giveaway by visiting getpicklerick.com wisecrack. There you will see official rules and a form to enter. 
Or you can tweet us at Wisecrack with your craziest idea for a Rick and Morty episode, and we'll send you a Pickle Rick figurine from our own personal collection here at Wisecrack. So if you heard us talk about this contest last week, you'll know that we are giving away two figurines. So right now we are about to announce the first winner. And the first winner is... Drum roll. Joker on the sofa. At Joker on the sofa. His pitch is... Morty asserts that being smart doesn't give you a right to be an asshole and challenges Rick to try to make the world a better place. In response, Rick increases the intelligence of the entire planet, only for it to turn out that, surprise, it makes most people assholes. So I love the idea of Rick making the rest of the world intelligent and uh, just what it's going to be like to see what would it look like to have an intelligent Brad, an intelligent uh, Jessica, you know, an intelligent Mr. Goldenfold and uh, just how they all turn into assholes like Rick. I think that and just the idea that that just because you're smart doesn't make you a good person. Absolutely. So Joker on the sofa, you are the winner of this handmade wooden pickle Rick figurine. Congratulations, we will be sending this to you. It can sit on your sofa with you. Also, if you guys want to see us go through all of the submissions we got and laugh as we kind of figure out which one is the best, hit us up on Patreon at wisecrackplus.com, and we're going to upload it there, and you can join us as we go through all these amazing episode ideas that we were sent. So we're actually also going to be picking our second winner on June 4th, so you still have time to win. So head to getpicklerick.com slash wisecrack to sign up or tweet us with your craziest idea for a Rick and Morty episode at Wisecrack on Twitter. Rick and Morty Season 3, available now on Blu-ray and DVD. And back to the show. All right, guys. So the first thing I want to talk about is, I mean, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We never even went around and said, what you guys think about this episode? Let's nope. just do that. How dare you? Let's 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 do that first. Fuck me. All right, Ryan. What do you think <laughs> about this episode? Um. Well, I give this episode an F plus. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I don't oh like this God. at all. I always skip this episode. I kind of um, I never show tell showed this one to people. I feel like it's just kind of a very. Uh, like it's like the first time it happens, the time jump thing. You're like, yeah, this is funny. This is a cool concept. And then that's the whole show. That's pretty much the rest of it. And nothing ever. I'm I'm impressed by the animation. That's kind of probably my biggest compliment. And the reason it gets an F plus is only because the plus is for the testicle monster, Time Cop, and which is pretty funny. Uh, and then also the scene where Rick thinks he's going to die or he's praying. And then he says, fuck you, God, after he lives, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's pretty awesome. But other than that, eh. Ooh. All right, Alec, what do you think? I'm going to go B. And weirdly, wow. I identify with Ryan's criticism because even when it was time to watch this episode, I was like, oh, like I don't really have any like fond memories of it. I don't really care about it that much. But rewatching it, like the jokes are, are pretty good and some of the gags are great. And also it's got, you know, the whole fuck you God bit uh, is just so fucking good. Uh, I think that redeems it. But like the, the the joke writing is very good. Like it's not like the plot is like super crazy good or anything like that. But you know, I like it. Wow, I, I I'm just I mean I'm largely disagreeing with Ryan and minorly disagreeing with Alec. But I think this is a fucking A plus episode. Oh, Jesus think, Christ! No yeah, way. man, this does I mean, not hold up. You think I this think, is as good as like Me Seeks and Destroy? Yeah, no I mean way. it's. I mean, do I like it as much as those and some of the ones that we discussed as our favorites? No, but I think this is a really impressive episode. First of all, I think that uh, the concept is very funny. 
I think that it's it's um they do very interesting things with with the medium, and it, it's mm-hmm. just like and, and uh you know it's not like the most literal interpretation of physics, but it's definitely a step <laughs> above the Big Bang theory. <laughs> when you know the Big Bang theory, when they like you know make some sort of a reference to some quote unquote smart concept. It has nothing to do with the actual concept, and it's just like a kind of a, a really super like the joke is that someone dare try something smart. But in this one, like the whole Schrodinger's cat and uncertainty thing, does it directly apply? No, but is it semi tangential and does it kind of compel elevated thought? I think so. Once again, I think that it's just a super ballsy thing that works really well when you have overlapping dialogue and it you you can't even discern what is being said a lot of the time, but it doesn't matter because the joke is that we have like, you know, these almost two shows going on at the same time. I think that's super ballsy. And I think the A and B plots complement each other in a good way. And I think that, you know, this is another classic, really good arc of Rick kind of having to come to terms with how much he cares about Morty or not. And I think some of the best episodes are when Rick has to kind of have that kind of an arc. So I think there's a good arc here. Uh, it's funny. It's classic Rick and Morty intelligence. Um, yeah, I really don't have. And, and I think that some of the funniest parts. I love the fucking time cop. I think he's so funny. Yeah. It's uh, you Keegan say Michael funny Key. though, but besides the time cop, like, were you really laughing when the, when the split screens were going, like you said, there, like there was overlapping dialogue, but you didn't have to hear it. Cause the joke was that the, what was happening was the yeah. joke. I mean, were well, you actually okay. laughing or were you just like, <laughs> so here's the difference. Uh, here's perhaps a difference between you and I, for me, like, I don't need to laugh out loud for something to be funny. In fact, sometimes if I'm just like sitting back with like a grin on my face and like my brain is being stimulated and I'm just appreciating how clever something is, that's the highest form of comedy for me. It's not just like, it's not just like, oh my God, he, you know, like for example, I probably laughed a lot harder in season three than that joke with like, you know, and you genital washer, like that's funny. And I probably laughed harder, but I don't measure like whether something is like, you know, a a better comedy just based on literally how much I laugh. To me, it's all about how much I appreciate it and how much it kind of tickles me. Like, I don't I don't need to like (laughs) I don't need to guffaw. I need to just be titillated, basically. Well, well, you need to be tickled. That's right. The washer claim you just said it. it, I I feel like you're conflating, you know, like just stupid humor with laugh out loud stuff. I mean, I, I the best stuff is. Is when it's super smart and super hilarious. You know, you, you get it all with Rick and Morty. You know, oh, sure. this was just was to me was just smart, and then the laughs were few and far between. Only when the yeah. testicle monster showed up. There are a lot of small things. So first of all, the testicle monster. There are a bunch of things I like. The Cold Stone Creamery jokes. I like the Red Grin Grumble reference. Well, I made him up. <laughs> Think for yourselves. Don't be sheep. I love that. I love how Rick somehow has like bands of money. I thought that was a very funny, uh, <laughs> a, a funny uh, detail, but yeah, I mean, I you know me, I mean, I would rather be, <laughs> I would, I would rather have my brain be tickled than me guffaw laugh out loud. So yeah, I mean, we have the genital washer humor, which is great, but if I had to choose between the two, I know genital washer humor is like people who don't remember that joke is like, what the fuck is he talking about? But right. if, if I had to choose between the two, I would probably choose this one. But, you know, it's a matter of balance. Like, it's not like Rick and Morty is so brainy all the time that it keeps you from laughing. I think this is one of the episodes that probably skews more on the brainy side, but I think it's ultimately really rewarding. 
All right, guys, before we move on, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor over at Away. So what is Away? Away makes affordable high-end luggage that is thoughtfully designed with the perfect components. You can see that I'm carrying it. You can see that I'm holding it right here. It's affordable, high-quality suitcase that can charge your phone. It has two USB ports on it that have a high-capacity battery to charge all your devices on the go. comes in 10 different colors, five different sizes. And as you can tell, I'm holding it right now in my hands in my lap right now. It's super easy, super convenient, very compact. Um, it makes your travel experience stress-free. It's made with premium impact-resistant German polycarbonate, four 360-degree spinner wheels. If you can see right here, I'm spinning them. That won't get stuck or break. Super, super easy. TSA-approved combination lock built in to keep your belongings safe and a patent-pending interior compression system that tightly buckles in bulky items. So you won't have to worry about anything sliding around. If you travel with like a gaming system like I sometimes do when I'm traveling with my parents, this is super helpful so you know that that's not going to break. Also, this thing comes with a lifetime warranty. So if anything breaks away, we'll fix it or replace it. Or if you just decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Free shipping anywhere in the low 48 states. And I got to say, for me... I've been to the airport so many times and I my flight is always delayed. I don't know why I have such horrible luck, but if your flight's delayed and you're there for hours, you're going to get bored. If you didn't if you forgot to bring a book with you, uh, you're going to hope that your stuff is charged. And if it's not, you're going to want to hope that there's a free seat next to an outlet. But that doesn't always happen, does it? So luckily with Away, you can just whip out the battery or just open this really convenient compartment and start charging your stuff immediately. So you have something to do during your entire delay or on the flight, whatever. You're never without something to do that's super important for me. So you can charge your Kindle, your iPad, whatever. So Away has a special offer just for listeners of the show. So for $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash squanch and use the promo code squanch at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash squanch, promo code squanch. So if you guys are traveling, can't recommend it enough. And back to the show. First talking point is, uh, well, let's talk about just the construction of this episode and that in the visual way that uncertain time is represented. Um, I love how this plays with the medium of television. So first of all, we see static in the middle of the frame that divides all of the different realities. And I just love that if you're watching it on a TV, it almost looks like there's something wrong with your TV. Um, as I mentioned before, I love how the joke is that they are out of sync rather than what the characters are saying. You know, I, I'm always titillated by people playing with the medium and especially in television when so much of about is it is about punchy jokes, which a lot of this episode still is about. You know, there are still this, this show has like a joke every three seconds. It's extremely dense. But with this one, I just like they kind of change a pace to where it's not about, you know, what cultural references and all the density of jokes. It's more of that we've set up this, uh, yeah, this kind of this visual motif that you have never really seen before in any other television show. And so the joke comes from the form rather than the actual dialogue. And it establishes a rule of form and then continues to play with it. And I think it really grabs the audience and brings them in and establishes the rules really gracefully. And it's never hard to keep up with what is happening. I think it's extremely impressive. I I was actually similar to what you're saying, Jared. I was just impressed that there's like multiple lines of dialogue happening. There's You're supposed to be looking at multiple different things, but you never necessarily get lost, which I thought was pretty impressive. I mean, at, yeah. at one point to keep track when there's too many screens, they zoom in on them. But but yeah, I, I thought that was a, a cool technique and probably not the easiest thing to pull off. 
Yeah, for, for 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 me, like I said at the beginning, I was de- I, I'm impressed by what they what they do because I also like when people fuck with the medium. You know, I love when Bugs Bunny is like screwing with the painter who's drawing him and stuff. You know, like that kind of thing. And this is kind of a similar, like, especially when the testicle monster comes up and says, "Oh my!" and like is playing with the static and pokes it. You know, like like that was a nice little touch. Yeah. But I yeah. wish, kind of like uh, my other complaint is just like if this had been one long extended scene, I then I think I would have liked it more. And they moved on, but the fact that it was the whole episode kind of bugged me. But but I right. feel like they they continue to play with the rules and up the stakes in really creative, dynamic ways. And more to the point of playing with the medium, how often do we see any kind of media play with the medium without just directly breaking the fourth wall, like Deadpool? And even sometimes Rick and Morty, like the the only way that they can play with the medium is just by winking at the audience. But this is, you know, we're still within some sort of theoretical, logical realm here. But, uh, you know, and and that's just very fresh to me because I'm sick and tired of breaking the fourth wall. And I think this is a new way to play with the medium or they've constructed this logic that grants them a new way to play with the medium that isn't just, you know, blatantly calling attention to the fact that you're watching a show. I'd say another uh, just example of that is like, you know, the whole, the like Rashomon structure, you know, where, where I feel like there's several movies where, you know, they film the same event from different angles. That's kind of an interesting. Sorry, what? Rashomon? Similar. Yeah. Like. Uh, Rashomon is this, or you want to take it, Ryan? It's Kurosawa movie. It's a basically, I, I forget the inciting incident, but there's this one event that happens that three, all the, there's like three or four different characters and you see it from different points of view, the same event. So, so basically Kurosawa filmed the same thing, you know, but from different people's POV. And then that's the movies that everyone took a different thing from uh, a different takeaway from the same event and, uh, and their perspective on it. Um, and so there's different, there's several that, that, you know, that's kind of a trope now in different movies and, yeah, that's just another example. Cool. Yeah, I would say that when Rashomon came out in what was like 1952, yeah, yeah I, I would agree that that was like a, a similar breakthrough for the medium in which uh, you could tell the same story through different perspectives and kind of create a narrative through that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't breaking the fourth wall necessarily. And it was, like, and it was not breaking the fourth wall, right. absolutely. All right, so I want to draw our attention to one line that kind of goes back to this conversation that we're all constantly having about infinity. And uh, Alec and I are actually trying to maybe write a video about this because then we're kind of talking with various physicists. But uh, so when they are at gunpoint or uh, Chris point by the time cop, uh, Rick says, all right, hear me out on this. You're immortal, right? Which means your life is infinite. Well, in that case, there's a hundred percent chance that you'll eventually do everything, including turning around to look behind you. And the guy goes, can't argue with that. So this is the same argument we've been making about if, if either life or in this case the multiverse is infinite, then there's a hundred percent chance that everything we can think of is possible. But I guess I wanted to throw it to Alec because well, I know Alec has been kind of more on the forefront of researching this. Like, is Rick wrong here? Okay, so I just want to disagree with you real quick in that it's not that everything is possible, but like when there's a statistical probability, then yes, it will probably happen. And uh, I. One of the things we came across, and I cannot remember it, but for the math people listening, please like write in with a better explanation of this. There's like a weird math paradox about flipping a coin. So um, when if if you want to do the odds for like flipping 
uh, two heads in a row, you have a probability of one half and then another probability of one half, uh, which, you know, getting those two together is a probability of one and a quarter. So the more you flip the, the greater, like the, the chances of getting like, you know, 50 million heads in a row, essentially like a kind of on a graph approaches zero. Um, but it has something to do with, and this is why it's a paradox, even though the chance is infinitesimal, the fact that like you have an infinite amount of times to try means that's like statistically likely. And again, I'm sorry for butchering that. Someone please explain this to me. But I think that's the joke Rick is trying to make is that there, you know, if there is even an infinitesimal uh, uh, chance he'll try, like in an infinite amount of like reoccurrences, it will happen. Right. But I don't see how that's any different than what I was saying with the multiverses. If there's if the possibilities or the the possible multiverses are infinite, well, then there's a hundred percent chance that whatever version of a multiverse that comes to my head has to exist, right? No. So uh, again, this has to come with like what are the like restrictions, right? So um, let's say what like for instance, if the laws of physics are constant in every single multiverse, there's never going to be a, a universe where the laws of physics don't apply because that's just not part of it. However, you know, like when it comes to evolution, like if there's a chance that like humans could have developed a tail or, you know, I guess we maybe had one, I, I don't even know, but like if there's a chance humans could have had a tail and like you can put that as a probability, whether it's 1% or, or, or uh, uh, 10% or anything like that, then if it happens a bunch of times, it'll happen. But that doesn't mean that like humans will uh, all become super Saiyans because there's a, like an actual truly 0% chance that will happen because it like violates the laws of physics. Does that make sense? You lost me at the super Saiyan thing. So I'm just saying like, okay, so under no laws of physics, is there a world where like, uh, chairs will be sentient life forms. So just because there's an infinite amount of possibilities or, or like multiverses does not mean that chairs will ever become sentient because it's okay, just like, because, because our understanding of multiverses is based in the, the laws of physics, or at least our understanding of physics and, and sentient chairs are outside of that. So we can't apply one to the other basically. <laughs> Yeah, and the question is, do all the multiverses have the same laws of physics? If they do, that means one thing. If they don't, that means another. But even like, uh, and this gets to uh, like, will Jerry become a, a movie star? Uh, and let's just do like, Jerry's born. And then if you want to branch that out into the millions and billions of choices he makes over the years, there's still probably things that like, no matter what choice he'll make will never happen. Like, you know, through all the Jerry... Um, like probabilities of him becoming a movie star or him being happy or not happy. He'll never invent time travel because like the tools aren't available to him, for instance. Um, or, you know, if you want to go back in time, a, a better example is like you could, like you could have ran a simulation of Plato a million times and he, or, or to infinity and he would have never invented time travel because there's just like no way that that could ever happen. So let's talk about the A and B plots. So, one of the reasons I like this is because not only is the episode with the whole uncertainty in Schrodinger's cat thing, which we'll talk about next, but it, I think it's full of a lot of very poignant character moments. So in the second act of this episode, both and Rick are, both, um, excuse me, both Beth and Rick are fighting kind of the worst parts of themselves. So we have Beth's pride and insecurity uh, that's forcing her to uh, <laughs> uh, do surgery on the deer. And then we have Rick's narcissism as he actually tries to kill other versions of himself only because he knows he's a terrible enough person to kill himself and other versions of his grandkids. So we see that Rick is wrestling with the fact that he knows he's a shitty person with no moral scruples, which then ultimately he kind of has a 
revelation at the end when he sacrifices himself. So <laughs> at one point we see a guy who is so convinced that he's horrible that he suspects that other versions of himself will kill himself and his grandkids. And then at the end we see a guy who's willing to sacrifice himself for his grandkids. So, you know, for a 22 minute episode that also deals with, you know, time paradoxes, I think this is pretty fucking impressive. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's funny that he thinks as a character that he's fucked up enough that to where he would uh, uh, actually like kill his grandkids, but he's also, you know, the real Rick knows that he would not want to, but he thinks that the other versions of him would. So it just says a lot about him himself. It's, it's yeah, I, it's like a bizarre, paradoxical, self-fulfilling prophecy. I I also yeah. This is a math thing that I know a little bit more about. Uh, you know, this is like not exactly the same, but have you guys heard of the prisoner's dilemma? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like a, so the prisoner's dilemma is like, you've got two people locked up and, uh, if like none of you snitch, then you get off scot-free. There's no evidence. But one of you, if like one of you snitches for like a plea deal, the other one gets fucked over. So it's like, right. you can't talk to each other. What if the other person fucks you over? And, and the, the math of the prisoner's dilemma is just like a grid where it's like, if both people cooperate, it's great for them. If both of them screw each, uh, each other over, then it's terrible for both of them. And then if one screws over the other, it's better for the person who screwed over. This is like what's happening with Rick wanting to shoot him uh, himself is like, exactly. If all yeah. the Ricks are, if he knows for a fact that they'll cooperate and not shoot each other, then it's great. Like that's the best possible outcome. But the thing about the prisoner's dilemma is that if you're sort of running the math, it always makes sense to like do the shitty thing uh, to like snitch on the other person or kill the other person because like worst case scenario you like you're both trying to kill each other and maybe you're both dead. Uh, worst case scenario is you get shot because you didn't cheat. And best case scenario is like you didn't, but like there's you, you're, you're just like rationally uh, uh, it, like better off essentially cheating the system, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, Rick has to, to know about this. So he's probably like, Oh yeah, Rick is doing this math in his head and is going to try to shoot me because that is the logical thing to do. And I also like how more about to this arc of him caring about Morty. So we see at first he goes from mathematically proving to Morty and Summer that they're pieces of shit and only measuring them by how much of a pain in, in his ass they are to, you know, sacrificing himself for Morty. Um, so they just pack so much into this episode. Um, another really great character moment I love is the thing that makes Rick uncertain. So Right before he's about to press the button the second time, he says, all right, guys, just be like Rick. And then Morty says, you mean drunk? And then he goes, what'd you say? And then at that <laughs> point, the two Ricks get out of sync. So I think this is not only hilarious, but a really uh, interesting way to both develop the logic of the kind of sci-fi physics element of the show, but also highlight, you know, one of Rick's core vulnerabilities, his alcoholism, obviously affects him makes him uncertain and then everything goes to shit i think that it's I, just i thought the uncertainty was morty saying it because in one reality he says it and the other he doesn't so it's like morty who is uncertain about whether or not he should say it which i still think is really interesting just because morty or summer out of sync that doesn't necessarily follow that it makes rick out of sync because then that would have happened previously well what i'm saying is in one in one reality morty says it and the other doesn't but because the reality where morty says it rick has to respond he is now sort of delayed well i would say that that message probably in particular affects Rick. Sure. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so let's talk about Rick's religious experience at the yeah. end. Love it. Like, I love how 
He thinks it's all about to be over. He prays to Jesus. Then once he's okay, he's back in power. He forsakes God. Um, well, he, well, he says, fuck you, God. But then right. he, but at some point he says, there is no God. So right. it's like, I feel like he's like, he's just kind of like hedging his bets, you know? Pascal's like, wager. <laughs> There's probably not no God, but if there is, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, lo- I love this moment in the show because for a show that's otherwise extremely atheistic, it's almost like the show recognizes that look, like you can be the smartest man in the live, uh, smartest man alive like Rick, and you know you can be completely disillusioned by any kind of religious narratives. But at the end of the day, even Rick is subject to uh, you know needing a divine father figure to help us in a time of crisis. Like it's almost like, uh, almost like an a. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost an apologist for people of faith. Like, look, you know, like right. Rick Mace think he's all high and mighty because he's got science and he can disprove God. But man, you put him in a bind, you put him in a, in a bad situation. He's going to, he's going to start believing in God too. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it what in the first episode, he tells Summer he's got to tear, she's got to tear the bandaid off that there is no God. Exactly. And that just kind of yeah. makes him a bit of a hypocrite. Like, yeah, when, once he's okay, he's in power, he's in, he's with his science. He can kind of. Uh, avoid any real problem. He can fix any problem with science, but once he's in a precarious situation where seemingly science cannot save him, then just like every other stooge, he's appealing to God. (laughs) All right. You guys want to talk about uncertainty and Schrodinger's cat? Yes. So uh, this is to the point where, so first of all, there's the whole thing about time being uncertain. And then once they split time, they go into the garage and they open the garage door and they see all these cats. And Rick says, those are Schrodinger's cats. Well, I suppose they are and aren't. So um, <laughs> so let me just give a, a brief explanation of what Schrodinger's cat is. And once again, we're math stupid. Uh, so I am by no means a physics expert. So I'm going to try and do this without fucking it up. So Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment where a cat is placed in a room that's separated from the outside and uh, a Geiger counter, which counts the amount of radioactive decay, is in the room. And within an hour, one of the atoms of the radioactive material might decay or it might not. So if it does decay, it will poison the cat and the cat will die. Now, the question is, After the hour, will the cat be alive or dead? So the thing that makes this, that complicates this is according to something called the Copenhagen interpretation. And the Copenhagen interpretation has a lot to do with uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, where is, um, so basically the Copenhagen interpretation suggests that physical systems do not have definite properties prior to being measured. So the measurement will affect the results. So it's like, I believe in the uncertainty principle, it's like a a molecule or something can be both a wave and a particle or exhibit properties of a wave and a particle at the same time. And depending on whether it's observed or not will influence that. So basically, if you look to see if the cat is alive or not, you have thereby affected the result. So before opening the door to see whether the cat is alive or not, it's theoretically both. It's both alive and dead. So in terms of how this works with the joke in the show, um, it's not like, you know, when when Rick says that he's uncertain or the, the, the uncertainties that that split time, 
doesn't really have anything to do with whether a physical phenomenon is being observed or not. It's really just in the show. It's more of like, is do I have uh, conviction or consistency in character, which is not quite what Schrodinger and Heisenberg and Niels Bohr were all talking about with quantum physics. But it's still very clever because it's kind of like just as the cat is both dead and alive, they're out of sync realities paradoxically both exist and don't exist and i i think that's pretty much as deep as it goes but i still think that that's miles above the kind of uh the kind of scientific shout outs that the big bang theory does um but yeah alec do you have anything to add to that well i was told the way the big bang theory does they'll be like talking about gravity but just a way to call someone fat which is just like (laughs) oh we like everyone like just saying that's not smart um yeah, like I don't think you know. I think our like gold standard of like science jokes is Futurama, and I don't think this is like quite like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like a, a fun sort of interpretation. And what I uh, there's like a line where Rick says, uh, "Uncertainty is unsustainable. Things either it either is it or it isn't." And you know, uh, after a while, we're gonna be we're gonna be isn't. You know, they're gonna die. Um, but yeah, I don't. So it would be one thing if like. I don't know if they were counting against the clock and they like if uh, perhaps Jerry and Beth were going to get home and they were going to open the door to the garage. And once they observe what's happening, that is going to determine whether they are or aren't. And then like that would be kind of what they're racing against the clock. That might be more in line with the actual experiment. Yeah. And actually, I think there's like a weird um, contradiction in the show's sort of logic or, or physics, because like the thing with Schrodinger's cat is that I think the the Geiger counter measuring that has to do with like with quantum mechanics, lots of things are probabilities. So it, like half the time it is this thing or half the time it's not like a wave or particle or any of these other things. Um, and <clears throat> what's happening is when you observe it, you sort of force the system to like make it one of those things. And so uh, one interpretation is like if we just want to think about in terms of like whether a particle, uh, sorry, if um uh, like a photon is a wave or a particle at the moment when we observe it, it will like collapse down into one of those things. Uh, but one interpretation is that this is the sort of many worlds thing in that, like both of those things, uh, are, are existing like reality kind of branches. Uh, and this is where we get into like the, the, the many worlds of Rick and Morty. And there's even a joke about it where, do you remember the tales from the Citadel? There's like the, uh, increasingly scarred versions of like Rick. It's like C yeah. five thirteen A B and C, as if like in one probability, like they were slightly scathed, more scathed, and like super disfigured. Um, so like that is kind of what like this uncertainty and this Copenhagen, uh, not the Copenhagen interpretation. This is what like this quantum mechanics is about. But now the episode is saying that like that makes it unstable. Like if anything, what I'm saying is if this episode were true to the logic of the rest of the show, whenever they're uncertain and there's two things that could happen, it would just create like C one thirty seven A B C and so on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, thought it was super duper smart, super interesting. Um, is it kind of the, 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 does this whole principle like uh, apply to the whole uh, hypothetical? Does a if a tree falls in the forest, no, no one hears it thing? <laughs> that, is that kind of a different principle? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a different principle. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the answer to that question? While we're at it, yeah, because there's like, well, that would it, it, no so one's there to observe it's a it. Qu- Did it's it happen? A, it, kind well, of thing? right. It's a different question because then that would be suggesting that if someone observed it, 
it would make the tree fall or not, which I think is a separate question. There was one there was one joke. Uh, I like the Cold Stone joke. He said, <laughs> I love Cold Stone. What should we do? So it's funny because what did Rick gave him like $500? And then Jerry's like, I love Cold Stone. What should we do with our last 20 bucks? Um, <laughs> I, I hope they had just stopped the joke there because Cold Stone is way overpriced. But then they, but then Beth says, you know, they sing no matter how much you tip. So then we're meant to believe, oh, okay, so Jerry's just making it rain on the the Cold Stone people, which I didn't even know that Cold Stone people sang. But yeah, uh, I would have preferred it if it was tip. just, I would, do they? I had no idea. There, there's a whole Aziz Ansari sketch about it, which is really funny, but. Okay. You're telling me you've been eating Cold Stone your whole life, Jared, and you've been missing out on all these songs? That you I've be been getting? to Cold Stone probably four times in my life and I've never heard a song. <laughs> Sounds like somebody doesn't tip. Yeah. I, I mean, no one. There was no sign that said "tip and I'll sing." You know, it's, it's implied, Jared. Oh, okay. So you're saying that any restaurant will do that? I'm gonna start I'm next time kidding. I tip a waiter. I'm gonna be like, "Where's my song, bro?" <laughs> All right, let's move on to the mailbag. Does anybody have questions picked out? I do. All right, Alec to the rescue. If anyone would like to send us any questions, you can hit us up at squanch at wisecrack.co. Again, that is squanch at wisecrack.co. So the first email comes from JT. Hey there, guys. Love all your work. I want to ask about your thoughts on the Galactic Federation. So we see the Galactic Federation is destroyed in episode one of season three, but in the post credit scene, we see them reviving Bird Person as Phoenix Person, meaning that the Galactic Federation is still functioning. What do you guys think about it? I definitely think they might make a comeback. I mean, I, I maybe that a select group of of Federation bigwigs, you know, took an escape pod and survived, and now they're exiled and have like a you know a smaller government or something. I think that's certainly possible. It could also just be like an outpost, you know, like the government collapses, but that doesn't mean like it could take a little bit of time before the people maybe on some remote outpost experimenting on bird person figure it out. Ryan, thoughts? Um, I mean, I think that, that the Federation of Ricks is going to be around for the whole show. I mean, no, 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 the Galactic no, no, Federation. no, this is the, the bug people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have any thoughts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. speaking of, speaking of kind of overthinking details like this, there's one shot in this episode where once they unfreeze time, you see this dog peeing on a tree. And I was like, now wait a second. Oh, no, never mind. That makes sense. I was going to say, no, wait a second. Didn't Snuffles take all the dogs? But I guess that was in the pre-Rick Potion number nine world. So never mind. <laughs> I just want to interject. Oh, God. I have a... Okay, so first of all, maybe we should put this in earlier. I just want to point out that Rick is eating wafers again in this episode. Oh, I had that written down. I didn't say it, but yes, he <laughs> oh. is. <laughs> good he catch. is. Wafers, there, man. There's does also, a Rick good. There's also like something scientifically inaccurate, I think, which is that they're dusting like their parents and talking about mildew growing on them, but those things wouldn't grow if time was frozen. So what the fuck? Yeah. What WTF? Man, you're making me think that like, you know, if we got 70 more episodes and this becomes as big as the Simpsons, are we going to have like real simple Rick's wafers on the shelves? Are we going to have Rick wafer cereals and stuff? Oh yeah. Possible, I mean, there's man. strawberry smiggles. <laughs> That's true. We have a, we have a, a, a box of strawberry smiggles. They're not tasty. <laughs> <laughs> 
with the mildew line, yeah, because because that made me think whenever they talked about getting all the money from the banks and replacing it with cookies or whatever, <laughs> that I was like, wait, won't the surveillance cameras be running? But I guess maybe those are frozen. Like, how does that work? But yeah, if time yeah. is frozen, the cameras are. So our next email is from Sophie, who says, hi, Wisecrack. Just wanted to say your podcast is my favorite, and I love how you guys debate so logically without talking over each other and respecting all points of view. I can't tell uh-huh. if Sophie's being sarcastic, but I don't think we talk over each other. <laughs> yeah, I think she's being genuine. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I wouldn't say I'm always logical, but yeah, I should just take a compliment. So I'll shut up. Anyway, <clears throat> so I was, so this is Sophie again. So I was wondering if every dimension has a Rick and every Rick has a Morty, then was Morty created by Rick? We find out that there are realities where Summer was never born because Beth and Jerry didn't get together. Or if they did, as in the reality they watched through the Google, the the goggles, they do it at the current ages and so Summer still isn't born. Therefore, by that logic, Morty is not born in those realities either. Possibly a reason why Morty isn't interested in looking through the goggles and Rick praises him for it. So therefore, if every Rick needs a Morty and Mortys need to have a certain characteristic, then did Rick create Morty? We see in the Citadel that there's a classroom of Mortys training up to be assigned to Rick. And one of the Mortys point out that Rick has fused one Morty with a lizard. So he clearly readily manipulates Morty rather than him coming from a lizard human dimension. Uh, I, what are your thoughts? Thanks, Sophie. Um, well, I think yeah. there could be universes in which there are no Mortys, but there are Ricks. Yeah. But then how can the Ricks disguise themselves? Well, as we saw at the uh, the Citadel of Ricks, there are plenty of Rickless Mortys that need a home. Poor so, Rickless Bastards. Poor Rickless <laughs> Bastards. So, you know, they can always just get one of those. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, there's there's non-Morty universes. There's non-Rick universes. There's there's every kind of universe. Alec. I mean, you even we see in, in the in the Citadel of Ricks episode, or not, not the Citadel episode in season three, but the, the most recent one we talked about, they have waivers of get one Morty free that they honor. So I think we're meant to believe that there's probably some bank vault of Mortys that, you know, they, that they, uh, you know, use to uh, make good on those coupons. But that's almost a, a hint that they're like manufactured, like where I guess there could be, you know, there's Mortys abandoned when a Rick dies, but I don't know. Like, do you really think they could keep up with that supply and demand? I mean, maybe they're made, but like, you know, maybe they just clone Beth and Jerry's and just have them mate and make a real Morty, but not necessarily like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we could get weird on this if you want, but uh, I, yeah, I don't really have an answer. I mean, my gut would tell me that there probably are Ricks without Mortys and there are Mortys without Ricks. And, uh, you know, that's just the way the multiverse, multiverse goes, bro. All right. All right. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know... Uh, Evolution probably has, uh, there's probably some universes where there's only Ricks and Morty, or kind of like the Citadel. So yeah, I bet they probably had to find some evolutionary way to breed at some point, unfortunately. All right. Our next email comes from Justin. He says, I was just listening to your episode on episode 10 of season one. You talked about our Rick crying when thinking about Morty as a baby slash growing up. From everything we know, Rick uh, was gone from sometime in Beth's youth to shortly before the show started, at least for the two Beths we're familiar with. So when did he see baby Morty? Was that his first Morty, maybe evil Morty? Yeah, we kind of discussed that last time, right? About if if 
if the the flashback Morty was the evil Morty. Yeah, I, we did talk I, about. I, it. I definitely don't think there's that much to indicate that, but I, I like the idea of it. Is what I'll say. I, I'm not sure if Justin's time Justin's timeline could be right, but uh, I don't know if we know that. Do we know that Rick abandons her like as a, a child? Um, there's a line somewhere that where Beth says something like, "You were gone for 20 years, and if Morty is in high school, then it doesn't make sense that Rick would see him when he's a baby." I think that's yeah, that makes that's sense. that's the problem. I mean, you know, I, I think that this is probably just uh, continuity or just you know something that the writers didn't think of. Um, I don't know. You go back when, for a visit, whether or not it, there's any greater meaning to it. I think that's up for them to decide. Yeah, I think. I think to Justin's point, this could totally be true or it could be totally not true. It's uncertain. And that is exactly mm. what Heisenberg meant. Oh my God. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, on that, unless you had another email, this is such a good time to stop. Yeah. All right. Well, on that, then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. So thank you to Ryan and Alec for joining me, guys. Where can we find you on the Internet? You can find me at Ryan's Game Show or Ryan Shorts on Facebook and YouTube every week, baby. Ooh, yeah. If you're into Westworld, you can check out uh, The Maze. It's Wisecrack's Westworld podcast wherever I love it. podcast. Thank you, Ryan. I love Ryan's Game Show. And if you <laughs> want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Wisecrack Alec. Yeah, guys, definitely check out The Maze, the Westworld podcast. It is dope. So that's all for us today. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Squatch you later. <laughs>